Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and today we're going to talk about four key ingredients for more client and athlete success. So my friend, it is the first show of the new year. Love and appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Definitely, definitely means a ton to me. And man, just trying to get back into a regular production schedule. Probably doesn't seem too big uh, of an interruption for you, but man, I don't think I've missed an episode in probably a year, year and a half. And I had a show recorded for last week, but for reasons unbeknownst to me, I was not able to use it. Um, Nothing bad happened. Just the club that this gentleman worked for said that they were putting a media freeze on any kind of podcast and video type media. So apologies for not having a show last week, but we are going to do our best to make this episode very, very good. So it feels like forever since we've gotten to hang out. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a a weekly recap, even though it feels more like a monthly recap because I haven't had to record one of these in like two or three weeks. So give you a little recap of what's been going on. Kids had an amazing, amazing Christmas and a happy new year. Christmas, Kendall was very fired up. She got a hoverboard and a Garmin, so like kind of like a Fitbit type watch. So she's super jazzed to track her sleep and track how many steps she gets every day. And I mean, I watched her cruise around on that hoverboard and I'm like, oh, how hard can that be? Well, little did I know it's incredibly hard, <laughs> at least the first time you get on this thing. So I am in our driveway trying to figure this thing out. I figure, oh, I'll have this dialed in in no time. And All of a sudden I'm on it and I'm kind of resting my arm on her to get my balance. And next thing I know, it's like double banana peel. My feet are going everywhere. I fell in our driveway. Lucky I didn't like break my arm or blow my patellar tendon (laughs) based on how I landed. So feeling very happy that there were no major injuries to me over the Christmas holiday. So Kendall was super jazzed with her stuff. Cade got just about every Lego set imaginable enjoyed thoroughly building them for about the next seven to 10 days after Christmas. I could spoke very briefly about, you know, we had the new year as well. This is the first year we ever let the kiddos stay up till midnight. So they definitely enjoyed that actually bounced back incredibly well. I thought they were going to be just an absolute nightmare the next day, but they actually bounced back really, really well. The only thing Kendall at like 1152 was falling asleep. They were watching a movie. So I had to kind of give her like a little nudge, like, Hey girl, come on. You got to wake up. You got to finish strong here. So they had a blast. Training has been super consistent. Uh, I've got a really good, good plan laid out for myself. It's, it's not set in stone, but I've got like the big rocks in place. So I kind of know loosely what I'm going to do every day based on movement and variations that I have access to. So that's been going really well. Something else that's been fun is just working on my grilling game. And I know if you know anything about Indiana weather, like December, January, you would think, oh, there's snow on the ground and it's miserable out, but we've had such a mild winter. I mean, it's been like mid forties most days. So, I mean, the kids are loving it. We've been cooking steaks. We've been cooking ribs, did like a slow cook rib yesterday. And Kate said it was the best thing he'd ever tasted. So that's been fun. Re-up my man card a couple weeks ago, basically fixed a toilet from like the inside, ripped all the insides out, put it back together, put together the water supply line. I mean, you can tell how awesome I am at this in reality, but I was pretty impressed. I got it to work, you know, no leaks, working great now. So I was pretty proud of myself there. And then something else kind of random, but obviously I've talked about Glenn and Keelan both on this show, but it was pretty special the other night. I actually got to watch them play against each other and they were both in the starting lineup. 
So Glenn started all year. That's not a surprise. But to see Keelan up with the, the NBA team again, not with the G League team, but with the big team, he started that night. So they played against each other. They matched up a little bit. It was really special. So that was pretty cool. So that's kind of a recap of what's been going on, stuff that I'm looking forward to, stuff that's coming up this week. I've got a big podcast recording day later this week. I've got Kim Shaper. I've got Radley Haddad, who is a former athlete of mine, now works in the New York Yankees, even though he's probably not the most exciting guy in the New York Yankees in this world now, knowing that Eric Cressy works for them. But Radley is an amazing guy and somebody I'm really excited to bring on the show Definitely not going to be your pure S&C type podcast, but just a wealth of knowledge and somebody I know you're going to hear a lot about for many, many years to come. Got Marcus Martinez of Kettlebell Exercises. If you're not on the gram, you need to check him out. This guy is a beast. And Stephanie Mock from Mississippi State, who comes very highly recommended from my boy Ryan Horn. So the podcast got all kinds of good stuff lined up. I think I've already got shows lined up into February and potentially March as far as just really good people that I'm excited to interview. So jazzed about that. The videos, I feel like I'm in this awkward phase right now with regards to my videos. So, you know, I've had Paul come down and shoot my videos for years. And I feel like now the video game is evolving to the point where you can't just drop like a video a week. It's got to be like a video a day or every other day. So I'm trying to put more stuff out on the gram and on YouTube, at least more frequent type stuff. I'm almost at a point now where I'm just going to go out and buy my own camera so I can shoot stuff on the weekends and then send it to Paul or send it to somebody and have them, you know, upload it and put it out there. But more content is coming, my friend. Just trust me. And I'm doing my best to get it out there. I've got a couple balls in the air that I'm trying to finish up right now, but more videos will be coming. And I, as always, hope that they are helpful to you and they help you make better decisions as a trainer or coach. Uh, the complete coach cert is two months out. I mean, it's crazy. I feel like I just pushed the initial launch out, you know, a week or two ago, and here it's been almost four months. So in two months, that's going to open up. If you're not already on the insiders list, please do that sooner versus later. Go to completecoachcertification.com, get yourself on the insiders list. You'll save $200 on the purchase of that product. So definitely a worthwhile investment. I'm going to be adding more stuff very, very shortly, which I'll talk more about in the coming weeks and months. With that being said, quick primer on today's show. The big thing that we're going to focus on today, as I alluded to up front, is these four key ingredients to making your clients and athletes more successful. And I think about this a lot like a recipe, right? Like if you want to bake cookies, there's a lot of different ways that you can bake cookies, right? And there's all types of varieties. There's chocolate chip, peanut butter chip, and oatmeal raisin, and snickerdoodle, and sugar, and shortbread. There's all these varieties. But most of them have a few key ingredients, right? Most of them are going to have butter. They're going to have eggs. They're going to have milk. They're going to have sugar. So those things are kind of critical to making really good cookies. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about four key ingredients that I think are critical to helping your clients and your athletes achieve the absolute most that they can in the gym. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this episode. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. 
So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next CERT will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. All right, my friend, as promised, we are going to talk about the four key ingredients for giving your clients and athletes more success, both in and out of the gym. And the first key ingredient, in my opinion, is environment. You may think, well, that's kind of strange, but I've had this discussion so many times over the years, and I think sometimes we tend to gloss over this or we tend to look past the value or the importance of being in the right environment. And it reminds me of a discussion that I had with Jim Windler years ago. I think Jim and I have only hung out in person once, and it was at the Swiss conference years ago. I mean, geez, I don't even know. It's like 2006, 2007. But it was an amazing weekend because that was the first time I met and hung out with Joe DeFranco. You know, we were drinking Grey Gooses in the hotel lobby one night, had a blast chatting, catching up with him. The next night it was me and Joe and Dave and Jim Windler hanging out together. But Jim and I were talking and, you know, we're talking about Westside because obviously he had followed that system and I had trained at Westside. And, you know, he said, you want to know the biggest myth about Westside? I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, I would love to hear it. He said, the biggest myth about Westside is that there's such a thing as a speed day. And that really intrigued me because, I mean, if you've ever seen my house, number one, I've got books and binders and stuff everywhere, but I bet I have a three-inch ring binder that's just filled with all of the Dave, all of the old Louie articles, like back when you had to go on the internet to like Powerlifting USA or T Nation and print them out. Like I had all of them printed and, you know, they talk about the importance of speed day, the value of speed day. So I'm like, Jim, what are you talking about, dude? Like this is everywhere. He's like, it always starts off as speed day, but it never ends up as speed day. And he said, you know, look, you might start off with your 10 by two at 55% and you're going good. And then somebody starts talking trash. One of the guys looks at another guy like, bro, you look slow today, dude, you look awful. So they start talking trash. Next thing you know, they're working up to a max. And so you think about it, well, if you're maxing out on your main lift four times a week, you're probably going to get strong pretty fast. But it's not just the training, it was the environment that that bred. It was the competitiveness. So when you put, and you can insert the blank here wherever you want, right? 
when you put the best Olympic weightlifters, the best sprinters, the best powerlifters, the best minds in technology, you know, the best veterinarians, I don't know, whatever group we're talking about, when you put the best of the best in a small, tightly knit environment, you know, expectations will be exceeded because competition will allow these people to thrive. So environment is so critical. And I'm a firm believer that your environment dictates your ability to grow and evolve. So imagine you have the most beautiful plant, right? You've got the most beautiful plant and somebody gives you a seed. You take that seed. Are you going to find the best like topsoil, potting soil, whatever to plant it in? Are you just going to go chuck it in the clay in your backyard? <laughs> and maybe your, your backyard is in clay, but I live in Fishers, Indiana. We don't have the, the richest soil around here, right? So think about that. If you have this beautiful plant, you want to put it in an environment that's going to help nourish it. So now I'm going to spin this question around. I'm going to ask you, what kind of environment are you creating for your clients and your athletes? It's a powerful question. Maybe your, your environment is already rock solid, and that's fantastic. Like This is something we talk about at iFast all the time. What is the environment like? Do our clients feel welcome? Does the gym look appropriate? We just talked about this in our you know intern training today because we have a new intern starting. And we just said we want that that feel of a serious training gym, right? We're not LA Fitness, we're not Lifetime, but we want to have that feel without the feeling that you're going to get MRSA or tetanus from training at our gym. So, you know, what kind of environment are you creating? Is it one of growth, of support? Is it an environment where your clients and athletes are set up to succeed? And if it's not, that's okay. Like this is something else we all have to deal with. Like sometimes we're not hitting our own expectations. And I've had this happen to myself more than enough. So if you're not, that's okay. Look at it as this isn't like a reflection on you as a human being. It's not that you're a bad human. It's just, okay, what do you need to do to change that? How can you facilitate that growth going forward? And I think one thing when we start talking about building the right environment, there's there's a couple keys to that. And I don't want to give you too many levels to this, but when we start talking about things that make certain environments or certain cultures thrive, a couple things come to mind. Honesty, I think, is huge. Having that ability to be honest with the people around you and not in like a negative, overly direct or condescending kind of way, but just in like a, hey, man, I love you and care about you. So I have to say this. So being honest with people is huge. Number two, being transparent. Being transparent about yourself, your own strengths, your own weaknesses, what you need, what you're struggling with, it's hard, right? But being transparent, being vulnerable is huge. Number three, having some humility. It's okay to be confident in what you do. In fact, I would say you want to be confident, right? You want to um, educate yourself. You want to have that confidence in yourself but it should never cross over to the line of arrogance where you think you're all-knowing or that you are better than the rest or that you know you have exceeded everyone else. Like That's not the kind of position you want to be in. So regardless of your role in your team or in your environment, you, you need to be humble. You need to have some humility. And the final piece, and this is key for any relationship or any work environment, but you have to communicate well. You can't just assume that people know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. You have to be able to communicate clearly and effectively to create a really robust 
environment for your clients and for your athletes. So again, to kind of recap, environment is like the soil that you plant a, a beautiful flower or you plant your garden in. Is it rich and nourishing to your clients and to your athletes? And if it's not, time to take a deep dive in and figure out why that is and what you can do to fix it. So ingredient number one is environment. Ingredient number two is vision. And it reminds me of a very famous Star Wars quote. You know I've been nerding out pretty hard on the Star Wars lately, but Emperor Palpatine says, you will pay the price for your lack of vision. And I think ultimately, low-level trainers and coaches ultimately pay the price for their lack of vision. They don't understand. We're not just writing workouts. We're not taking through people through an individual workout. We're not just training them for a day. And this was a key piece for me when Roy Hibbert trained with me back in, I think it was 2014 now. (laughs) Starting to date myself and feel a little old recording some of these. But, you know, when Roy came in, he was coming off an incredibly successful series against the Miami Heat, who had won the NBA championship that year. I think over the course of that series, Roy averaged like 22 and 10. They had no way of stopping him. So, you know, the media was really enamored with him. He's a huge guy. He had a fun personality. He was quiet, absolutely, but he had a lot of personality underneath, if you could call it out of him. And so when Roy came in, you know, part of my job, I felt, was to have a vision for him. And it was to take that vision and basically download it into his brain. So luckily for me, I followed the Pacers. I was obviously a huge fan of the team. I was a huge fan of him because I'd met him a year or two before when he was working with Joe Dowdell. And so I knew that early in the year, I felt like Roy always struggled with his conditioning. He just looked a little bit slow. He looked a little bit out of shape. And this would cause him to get into foul trouble. I felt like he would get tired. He'd hack. He'd get into foul trouble. And now your main defensive enforcer is not in the game. So the vision that I pitched for Roy was, hey, look, man, I want you to be fit enough to where you go in and you could play 34 to 36 minutes every night. Not that you're going to need to or not that you want to, but I want you to have that level of conditioning so that you can go out there and play at a high level because everybody knows we are a lockdown defensive team when you're on the court. And I kind of use the we, even though I don't (laughs) work with the Pacers. But just meaning like everybody that watches basketball knows when you're on the court and all of your starting five is out there, you guys are a lockdown defensive team. So that was the vision that I tried to instill with him. Did it again this past offseason with these two goalkeepers that I'm working with. Both had some unique movement issues that we were working through, some injury history that we were working through. So I have to kind of give them the vision of this is what we're doing in the short term. This is why it's different than what you've done in the past, but this is the long-term vision. It's not being the best goalkeeper January 20th, right? Like, yeah, you want to show up to camp fit and you want to look good, but at the end of the day, nobody is like keeping tabs on how you perform on January 20th. They care how you play in May, in July, in September, in October. So my point here is this, great coaches not only have vision. Right? They have a vision of what their athletes or what their clients can become, but they have the unique ability to instill that vision into those people. Okay, so I'm going to read that again. Great coaches not only have vision, but they have the ability to instill that vision into their clients and into their athletes. So I'm not going to claim that I'm the best coach. I'm definitely not. But I know with Roy, 
Man, that dude believed. We worked together four days a week. We spent time together in San Antonio where we were together like a lot for, you know, a short period of time. So you see everybody for 12 weeks. Hopefully you're getting your message across. And I know by the time he reported to camp that year, he fully believed he was as fit as he'd ever been. He was as strong as he'd ever been. And he would be able to go into any game and play 34 to 36 minutes with no issue. All right. So that was cool. Now, questions you should ask, right? Because maybe this isn't something that you've thought about before. Maybe it's something that you think about, but you maybe don't have these kinds of discussions with your clients and athletes. So some questions that I would ask if I'm starting with somebody new, I'd ask, okay, where is this, where is this person at in life? You know, what is their age? What are they like body-wise? What's their injury history? What's their skill level? Like, I want a full debrief on where this person is starting at right now. And a big piece of this discussion is when I'm going back and forth with a new client or a new athlete, I say, don't hold anything back. Don't try and impress me. That's not the point. The point is to be really, really up to date with where you're at right now, because I don't care about your starting point. All I care is where are we at so we can determine where we want to go. So once you have that baseline information, now you got to start to put your own thinking cap on, right? And this is where you have to have some vision. You have to imagine, you know, Michelangelo used to talk about with the, when he was sculpting David, he would say, oh, like I envisioned what it was before I ever carved it out. So like he had this mental model and it's the same thing when you're building a client or an athlete with a training program. So if you could build them into this perfect version of themselves, what would change? How would you improve them with an athlete? Is it making them faster? Is it making them stronger? Is it making them quicker? Is it making them better conditioned? Dakota Mathias is a guy that I worked with this past summer. And if you look at Dakota, he's not the biggest dude. He's not the fastest dude. He's not the strongest dude. But my God, this guy can shoot the ball like nobody else. It's amazing how well he shoots the ball. So my vision for him was, look, you don't have to be the fastest dude on the court because everybody on the court knows how well you can shoot it. You just need to be deceptive. You need to be elusive. You need to find ways to shot fake, create a little bit of separation, create some distance, and then you got a clear shot. And man, that kid totally bought in. So just watching him evolve his game and buying into this vision was really, really cool. So once you kind of have this idea of where they're at and where you want them to go, sometimes the hardest part is selling them on this short term because generally they're going to have to sacrifice some things or they're going to have to work on things that they're not as skilled at or that they don't enjoy, right? Everybody enjoys working on their strengths. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Absolutely, you maximize your strengths. But you have to find ways to mitigate your weaknesses, right? If you can shore up some of those weaknesses, plug some of those holes, man, that's where I think you can really see some massive improvements in your performance, all right? So you have to sell them on the short-term vision of what they might have to sacrifice or what they're going to have to work through in the short term to give them the long-term result that they want. That's really critical. Sometimes the short term, and short term could be a couple weeks, it could be a couple months, depending on the client and what you're trying to do with them. But man, if you can sell them on the short term, and if you've got the right long term vision, you can make massive impact with your clients and athletes. But it's generally going to involve some level of sacrifice on their part up front to get to where they want to be. So to recap, 
you got to have a strong vision for your clients and for your athletes. You have to have this vision of them at their absolute peak level if everything goes right. And you have to buy into that. And once you do, then you have to sell them on that vision. And sometimes that's beyond what they even have for themselves. We're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes when we talk about belief. But man, you not only have to have a vision, but you have to sell them on it. They have to believe in you and believe that you are the person that can get them to where they want to go. All right. So ingredient number two, vision. Ingredient number three is commitment. And I got a couple really good examples for you here and and ones that hit really close to home based off this past summer. So Glenn Robinson this past year struggled. I mean, like if you look at his stats uh, when he played in Detroit, they were not good. And he freely admits, go into the press, go into any article that's been written about him. And he talks about, you know, Detroit wasn't the best fit for me. Wasn't a bad organization. Wasn't a bad team. I wasn't in the right role. I wasn't in the right environment and it didn't work out. So when free agency hit this year, you know, I'm assuming and, and talking to him, I think he was probably worried, you know, didn't know if somebody's going to give him a call because he'd been on, I think, three teams in five years. He'd bounced around a little bit, hadn't found like that home in the league, hadn't found his true home and his true role. And so, man, look, you go from playing in the NBA to maybe he's going to have to go to China. Maybe he's going to have to go overseas somewhere. And I can't imagine that's what he wanted to do because I know Glenn thought he was an NBA level player. I thought he was an NBA-level player. Joey Burton, the skills guy, thought he was an NBA-level player. So, you know, he could have just freaked out. He could have just said, oh, I'm done. I'm just going to, you know, kind of hang out this summer and not really train, see where the chips fall. And I just remember when Glenn came to to me and to Joey, and he just said, look, man, like, I'm all in. I'm committing to this. I I trust in myself. I trust in the process. And I think you guys can help me get to where I want to go. Like this dude like tripled down. So last summer, we trained three days a week. He said, I don't want to just train three. I want to train four. He wanted to get his body ready to play anything where he could guard up to a four. So, you know, kind of like a, a bigger size guy with a bigger body, bigger frame. So he wanted to put on a little bit of weight, but maintain his athleticism. He got with Joey six days a week. So literally six days a week, he's on the court working on his game. As the season drew closer, so August, you know, September, before he left, he was in the gym twice a day with Joey, getting in work. And I don't think it's any coincidence Glenn hit the jackpot with regards to environment. I think Golden State's a fantastic fit for him. But I don't think it's it's any shock to see that he's gone out this year and he's doubled his career averages in every major stat. Twice as many minutes per game. Twice as many points twice as many rebounds. He's shooting like 40% from three-point range. He's having an amazing year because he committed to the process. Another example, Keelan Martin. Keelan coming out of school, and I've known Keelan three years now, so I've had three years working with Keelan. When he was at Butler, his senior year, he kind of we kind of snuck in and got workouts in to make sure his body was ready. Second all-time leading scorer in Butler history, didn't get drafted. You know, went to summer league, played okay, probably not his best. He could have put his head down. He went to Germany, which is tough. Being an American kid going overseas, you know, yeah, it's pretty player friendly, but you're away from family. You're away from friends. It's a different environment. It's a different routine. So Keelan goes over to Germany, 
works on his game, works on his body. Like I was shocked at how good he looked when he came back. I bet he'd shed 10 pounds of body fat. So he looks fantastic when he comes back. But he's from Louisville. He rents an apartment in Indianapolis for four months, right? That's how committed he was. He's, this guy could have gone to LA, New York. He could have stayed at home in Louisville. Again, he committed himself to the process, to working with Joey and I. And man, he goes out, he crushes it in summer league, signs a two-way contract with the Timberwolves, and now he's getting legit NBA minutes. He started like four or five games for them this year, potentially working his way into a full NBA contract. So that's an example of two guys. They committed to the process, right? Now, I would love to say every person that we work with is that committed. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I bet over the last three years, Joey has even more. But I've personally worked with 30-ish, maybe between 30 and 40 guys and gals as well. We've had some, some females that have come through our program as well. So let's just say roughly 30 to 40 professional level basketball players that have come through our program. And some have been there a day or two, some have been there a week, some have been there a month, some have been there three off seasons now. And I just keep coming back to like, what is the difference between the people that have continued to evolve, like Glenn, like Keelan, like Dakota, like Taya Reamer, those four stick out in my brain because they're on this up and up track versus some of the ones that have plateaued or even yet getting worse. And here's what it comes down to. The people that are continuing to grow and evolve have committed to the process. The others have committed to making excuses. There's always an excuse why they can't make a workout. You know, oh, I got to stay at home for this. Or, oh man, I can't afford the 25 bucks for that group workout today. Or, you know, it's like, oh, uh, I got to do something with this or that. Or, oh, I got to go to this place. It's... It's, it's endless, right? But it's very simple. The people that are making commitments to themselves and to the process are getting better. So one thing that I want to make very, very clear here is that, and I've tried to say this a couple of times, so hopefully it's, it's coming through clearly, but you don't commit to an outcome. So like when these guys come in, they don't say, yeah, I'm committing to getting a $5 million contract in the NBA. Like nobody says that. That may be what you're thinking, but that's not what you commit to. You commit to the process of getting an NBA contract or a G League contract or uh, whatever contract or whatever goal you're, it is, right? It'd be like in the gym. You don't commit to a 500-pound squat. You commit to the process of building a 500-pound squat. Personal income, maybe it's 100K, 500K, a million, whatever you're doing. You have to ask yourself, not what is the outcome. The outcome is fine. What is the process? What are the steps that I need to take to achieve that outcome? So let's say your goal is to whatever squat X amount of pounds or to get to Y percentage body fat. What are some, some process-based goals that you can focus on? Well, you can train three to four days a week. You can eat a healthy and nutritious diet 80-90% of the time. You can sleep seven and a half to nine hours per night. You can put yourself in the right environment. You can get a weekly massage. Hopefully you see where I'm going with this, but you can't commit to an outcome. You can put it in your brain. You can set it as a goal. I love it. I love it as a goal because it gives you a target to shoot for. And I think we're always better when we shoot for big targets. But you also have to understand that sometimes things don't work out like that, right? Some of these guys, some of these gals have put in an incredible amount of work 
They're not going to get to where they would like to go, right? But they've, they've still, they've committed to the process. And so nobody can fault you. If you commit to the process, if you commit to those daily, weekly, and monthly steps, man, you know, look, the outcome kind of goes as it's going to go. You can't control that. I wish I could. I wish every one of these people that works with me could achieve, you know, the the playing level or the playing status that they want to achieve. I wish all my people could hit the numbers in the gym that they want to achieve, but you can't. You can't control the outcome, but you absolutely can commit to the process. All right? So it's really simple here. You either commit to the process or you commit to making excuses. Right? It goes for you, it goes for your athletes. So ask yourself, am I committed to the process? Committed to the process of making better clients, better athletes. It goes for you and it goes for them as well. Last but not least, when we talk about making our clients and athletes more successful, a key ingredient, if not a critical ingredient, is belief. A lot of times in our industry, we like to talk about X's and O's and you know, I coach this person this way and I coach this person that way and I give this person this exact exercise and here's why and this this set rep scheme is gold and I use French cost, contrast training. It's like, man, that's all great. But never discount how psychologically impactful we can be for the people that we work with. Man, I struggle to find like one story here. I love to give a story that kind of highlights this, but you know, with Roy, Roy is an amazing guy and a a dude that I loved working with, hugely impactful on me as a coach, gave me a lot of confidence in myself to know that I could absolutely coach at that level with a top tier talent. And so I was constantly in Roy's ear because, man, I believed in Roy. And I thought, man, Roy has even more in him than we've seen. And so I'm constantly in Roy's ear every day bro, you're going to be an all-star. You're going to be an all-star this year. You're going to be the defensive player of the year this year. You guys should win a championship. You guys can beat the heat. And, you know, looking back, it's kind of crazy because Roy was an all-star that year. I mean, he played lights out. If you look at the first three to four months of that season, he was amazing. He was absolutely an all-star. He was second in defensive player of the year voting. If he didn't have just a really, really bad month in March, he probably would have been the defensive player of the year. But I believed in Roy probably more than Roy believed in himself, if that's possible. You know, other examples, Danny O'Rourke, the first soccer player, professional soccer player that I got to work with, was coming off a pretty nasty, gnarly knee injury when I worked with him. And man, I just believe like, look, dude, if you can get through what you got through the last couple of years, we can get you back out there and we can get you back to playing at an elite level. You know, and Danny did. Danny played probably five more years. After we started working together, I think three more in Columbus and then two in uh, Portland. So Danny is an example. You know, again, Keelan, Dakota, Taya, I just believe so much in them because I'm with them so often. I see them work and I know their attention to detail and the fact that they're willing to do things that other people just quite frankly are not willing or able to do. So my goal, at least when it comes to myself and my clients, my athletes, is to 100% believe more in my clients and athletes than they believe in themselves. Like that's my goal. So it doesn't matter if you work with me, if we're working together in a mentorship environment, if we're working together in online coaching, if we're working together in the gym, if you work with me, 
you are buying, it sounds crazy, but you're buying my belief in you. And, and it's not really in that sense. It's in the fact that if you're willing to invest in me financially, man, I am going to invest in you in my time and my energy. And I think that's really powerful, right? The, you know, the time and energy that a coach can give and the belief that they can give to a client or athlete is so powerful. It's so impactful. And, you know, one case where I think this is really important is in that rehab process. So if you ever work with, with athletes that are rehabbing injuries, man, there's times they don't believe in themselves. And I don't care how great of an athlete it is. You know, I can only imagine a guy like Kevin Durant, right? Best basketball player in the world, at least in my opinion. You know, when he's healthy right now, he is an absolute game changer. But he's going through an Achilles repair, right? He's going through that rehab. I don't care how comfortable he is in his own skin. I don't care how confident he is in his body, in his game. Like there's ups and downs in that process. The human psyche, right? Like it's not unflappable. I don't care how good you are. So just like rehab, training is never linear. There are always ups and downs. And that's where we can come in. You know, when they're down, we can help buoy them. We can give them that belief. We can invest our energy in them. So they feel like, yeah, man, like, okay, today might be an off day. Today may not be my best, but tomorrow's going to be better. And this comes back to that idea of vision. You know, if you have this crystal clear vision of what your clients or your athletes can become, it's so much easier to believe in them. It takes a little bit of work on your part, right? You have to invest in them up front in learning about them, where they're at, where they want to go, having time to, you know, kind of download what's my vision for this person? Where can they get to? What can I do to impact them positively with regards to a program? with regards to how I coach them. What things can I do to make them better? So it is some work on your part. Man, it's paid back tenfold. If you believe in this person and they genuinely feel like this person is invested in me, the effort that you're gonna get in the gym will be second to none. So I'll be honest, my friend, every athlete wants and needs people in their corner who believe in them. And if you just do that, I don't care how good your programs are. I don't care how on point you are with your coaching cues. You know, how many books you read this last year, how many seminars you attended, that's all great. But clients and athletes want to work with people that truly believe in them. And if they start to understand that you are fully invested in them, you will never get more effort from anybody else. Okay, my friend, that does it. Four key ingredients for giving your clients and athletes more success. It starts with environment. You gotta put people in the right environment, your culture, your team, your community, whatever you wanna call it, the environment's gotta be ripe. It's gotta be a nourishing environment for people to thrive. Second, you gotta have vision. We ain't writing workouts, right? We're not putting a workout of the day up and hoping somebody like has a good glute pump or quad pump or whatever, right? Like we have to have a long-term vision. And we understand that, hey, sometimes the short-term vision isn't ideal. Changes are going to have to be made. Sacrifices must be made if we want to achieve that long-term vision. But you have to have a vision for them, and you got to be able to sell them on it. Number three, you and they have to commit to the process, right? It's this mutual commitment to each other, to the process, right? You can't control outcomes, and that's okay. I wish I could. I wish every client and athlete that I work with could achieve the level of success that they dream of but sometimes it doesn't work out like that. 
but you can never be upset with yourself or with them if they commit to the process and fall a little bit short. Last but not least, it's belief. My friend, how much do you believe in your clients and athletes? And if you do, do they know it? Can they feel it when they walk in the gym? Do they know that you are fully invested in their success? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, how can you fix it? How can you let the people that you work with know that you are 100% invested in their success? Okay, my friend, this was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, a little bit different episode this week, especially being off the last couple weeks, but I hope you enjoyed it because I love doing these solo shows. I don't do them all the time because I don't feel like people want to hear me ramble on incessantly every single week, but I do hope it's valuable because I try and give you guys some unique insights, try and lay some stories in there from the people that I've worked with and the people that have been impactful to me because as coaches, we get a lot of credit, but I feel like if you work with the right clients and the right athletes, they can be every bit as impactful on you as you are on them. So if you enjoyed this show, please do me a favor, share it with a friend, family member, loved one. It doesn't have to be in the fitness space. You know, I get a lot of feedback from people that are all over with regards to the working and professional world. And they say, hey, you know, I'm not in this particular space. I might like to work out, but I've taken your information. And I've applied it to other areas of my life, whether it's their professional life, their home life, and it's made an impact. So as always, my friend, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.